0: To me is that um, when I was at All Saints um, in '93, um, Maggie Taylor came to me and she said, "Would you be willing to come and help start a new church?" And that was really intriguing to me because I'd grown up in a in a corporate parish and I was working for a corporate parish, so. Um, I was a part of a small group of people who are still um, in this room, I, I know some people are, that uh, first started over in River Chase in a Blue Cross Blue Shield building. <laughs> I remember going to Maggie and saying, she asked me to do Christian Ed, now what's the Christian Ed budget? And she went, what budget? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was my tie that year, is to try to get um, some children's programs going. And then we moved over to Chase Park, um, in an office building there, and that's where my son, um, Luke, who is now 17, and Susan had it at Valley Elementary, um, was baptized. And um, so for life, different circumstances, um, our membership moved, but I'm very fond of this place, and it's so exciting to see the building and your space, and, um, and, and it's exciting to be here. So thank you very much for the invitation. Um, first, I wanna talk about uh, the, so how do, we, how do we find clergy? How did we find Blake? You know, um, Blake came to us, I know he went to seminary from Tennessee, but he came to us all the way from Arizona. Arizona. So, um, what I wanted to, what you've got in your handout is a little bit about what I do, but um, so, so how this works in this big Episcopal church is that this is the Diocese of Alabama, and as you see, it's not the, the whole state of Alabama, <laughs> Um, the lower part of the state and the Panhandle of Florida is the Diocese of Central Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. So here we are in Shelby County, probably not exactly right there, but um, so so there are 92 churches in this diocese that the bishop oversees, and so um, out of those 92, right now I have 20 that are uh, parishes that are available which is um, uncharacteristic, as my bishop tells me, um, which is not what Pat had to deal with when he left. <laughs> I think they all started leaving when Pat left. But, um, but anyway, uh, so, we, so as far as clergy transitions, I try to help all of those parishes um, call their next rector. Um, out of those uh, 20 that I have available, 14 need part-time or supply clergy that, um, or bivocational clergy. Um, clergy that will be able to do Sunday services but also have a secular so, and then, so here's the Diocese of Alabama 92 parishes Then, So we can gather names from all of these places We send out letters to clergy in the diocese and say Hey who do, you, who do you know that might be a great director for this particular place Then I have a network that I work with this is, prov- this is the, um, the, the Episcopal Church, which is not the national church, it's really the international church because the Episcopal Church also includes um, Province 9, which is Puerto Rico and all those. But this is Province 4, the southeast. We're the largest province in the number of dioceses, you might not know that, um, but the Diocese of Virginia has the largest number of, of, of churches in its particular diocese. So this is Province 4. So then I send out. Of email and to these folks and say, hey, who do you know that might want to come to Alabama? And then there's a, a international network that I that I would send out your profile, of what you're looking for to all these people, and somehow it ended up over here
1: <laughs> in Arizona, <laughs> and Blake found out about it, and fortunately,
0: we um, all called him. So, so that's a little bit about um, clergy transitions um, and what I what I do. Um, out of all of these, there are 26 that are rural parishes, and those would be like the villages. And the, I know you mentioned Marion earlier; that would be a rural parish. And there are 26 that are suburban parishes. That's not a, a whole lot. Um, we have three campus centers, um, campus ministers. And we have 35 urban parishes, and you would you would be considered an urban parish. Um. So what I try to do is help a parish articulate what their vision is. Every parish has their own personality. Every parish has certain things that they're looking for. And so in a search process, and what Pat did with this particular parish, was anybody on the search committee that was in here? Okay. And so I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of the questions that you crafted to ask Blake and other candidates had a lot to do with what your vision was for this particular So that's part of what you do during the search process. Um, And so you're one of those strong, healthy, vibrant parishes in the diocese, and so it's exciting to be able to come here and talk about that instead of going into a parish that's conflicted or that they are really in pain because they can't afford their rector or whatever. So it's exciting to be here and, and see all the good ministry and work. And I know the young people had something wonderful last night, and... Um, and it's just a lot going on here, and we're grateful for that um, in the diocese. So, what I want you to do now that everybody's gotten a seat, and if you can't get up and move, I'm just going to ask you two questions, and you're going to have to choose a corner of the room. Okay. Because this neck I'm a very experiential, now see, I came from youth ministry and Christianity. <laughs> so, this is all part of, of, of what I do. I want to begin to, to talk a little bit about what it means to support congregations. And so this is the way I want to sort of walk into that. So, okay, I'm going to read you the questions. And if you can't move, I understand. You can say where you are. First, let me stop. What do, you, do you have any questions about how clergy in the diocese come? How, how we, we call clergy in the diocese? Alabama? Any of that? Okay, great. Um, National Church moving toward a priest in charge discernment process,
1: or are we? Are what a we- great question! Mm-hmm. Oh, you're educated. my wife.
0: You just skipped to the graduate class. <laughs> One process is um, that you do a full search that takes about a year, and those are for a certain uh, congregations or parishes that are a certain number. Um, we have this corporate program size. We have all these names and labels, which I don't like, but it has to do with your size and your your average Sunday attendance. And so those parishes would would choose a search uh, a self-study committee and then a discernment committee. Is that what you? Yes. Okay. Yes. See, I told y'all we're in places. We places. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I, don't know that, well <laughs> I know some subcommittees on the website, but we try not to use the word search. Do you, does anybody have a reason why we wouldn't use the word search? Because God sends. Yeah. Who we are called. Call so, God, this is the best class. <laughs> you have done well. I'll have to call Pat and say he did well. Um, yeah, because a search is when you you send out, you know, at regions you send out. I need a teller, and you put up the criteria, and you just find people who fit that criteria, and, and then you just hire them. a discernment mm-hmm. is really when you throw in the Holy Spirit and sometimes she moves faster than other times and, um, and or he or she however you want to look at the Holy Spirit um, and so and so it, 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 it really is a whole different it, it's a whole different ball game when you look at it that way and so we try not to use the word search committee we try to use the word discernment committee um, or team if you've um, so so that, that, that's one process, and so that usually takes a long period of time because you've got the self-study, as you know, gathers, gathers all the data, what is your vision, hands it to the discernment, and then they begin to find the person who's going to mutu- have the best mutual ministry with the parish. And I love to use that word. Um, it's not just about what Blake and, and Christina <laughs> bring to this place. It's about what you can bring to him, to both of them. It's a mutual ministry. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. And so that's one process. And then process two is for smaller parishes, like Holy Comforter and Gadsden is a perfect example of this. They're right now. Where they can, people can submit names, but they have a, a couple of candidates, and they send out interview questions and telephone and all that. But they bring the candidate to them, and they make a decision out of a smaller pool. And then you have, that's the second process. So it's just pared down from the first one. Then the third process is what we call priest-in-charge and discernment. And those are um, places like Alex City has used this, um, All Saints in Montgomery, which is a smaller parish, Resurrection in Gadsden. Um, so what we do, yes? Black Belt, the Black Belt Parishes?
2: Yes. Because yes. Of, like I say, St. Wilfers and Marion, so I was on the vestry um, vestry at St. Wilfrid's for a time, and also the uh, uh, committee across the uh, five or six
0: the council when they had that blackout
2: council one reason was that, that they had that was in order to afford a priest right to yoke some parishes together to because
0: they out. couldn't afford them so what happens in this third process is that the bishop and my office would look at what the vision is of that place and and see if there's a priest that meets the sort of the culture and the ethos and the vision and say we think this person best can engage in mutual ministry with you but we're not sure you need to interview them and if you think there's mutual ministry a possibility for that then you enter into a priest in charge in discernment and what that means is is that for a two-year period of time um that person moves and and, and functions as their rector you have another <coughs> subcommittee over here that reads a book called listening hearts and it's about discernment so there are specific points during that two-year period of time where the Priest in Charge and this committee are getting together and having conversation to figure out whether this is going to be mutual ministry. And at the end of that time, I would go in and say, okay, what do you think, Priest in Charge, and what do you think, Vestry? And so it's not like the vest it's, it's really, it's really rent a rector is what my colleagues <laughs> in Providence 4 call it. I don't really like to come in and say that, that we're going to provide you an opportunity to rent a rector, but that's sort of what it is. You're trying things on. And so both parties, if they come to an agreement, then, then they are called. The Vestry then issues a call for them. But it gives them a chance to. Now, then we have these part-time. Like I mentioned, I have 20 openings right now, and 14 of those are part-time. We need to yoke some parishes together if we can. And, and that, um, that sometimes is more difficult than you would think. Um, There's some driving distance issues when you're down in the Black Belt. It takes me forever to get from Pelham to downtown. But I would think, oh, that's the same distance as from Utah to Greensboro. But, you know, there are also issues around those. So we're trying to be creative in finding, if I had clergy that were willing to work part-time as an ordained person and part-time in the secular world, they could have a job in the New York Minute. But when you go to seminary, What's happening is people coming out of seminary go, well, I didn't go to seminary to have to come back out and sell insurance and be a priest. or you know. And so, so, But what I'm seeing is that the culture and the landscape of um, clergy deployment is changing. So we're going to have to be creative about how we do that. Because that, that's a long way to answer your question. Right. So those are the three different processes. in the Any other questions about how we call clergy? All right, I'm going to read out the first question, and you decide where you're going to go. Out of these four seasons at the church, which is your favorite? Advent, Christmas, Lent, or Easter? Advent, Christmas, Lent, or Easter? So we want our Advent people here. We'll have our Christmas people here. Our Lent. Easter. So go to where you, if you want to stay, go to where you
1: would. Let's go across the house there, here. Can we have it? Have it Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, wow. Christmas. Wow. Lent, lent <laughs> and Easter. Easter.
0: But there. <laughs> okay, so there's my, my advent people. Tell me a little bit about why you're,
3: why you're here. Why you're getting ready, getting prepared, you know, waiting, anticipation. Yeah. Color blue. Color blue. <laughs> okay,
0: royal blue at that.
2: Okay. Serum. Oh, excuse me. Serum. All
0: right, what about my Christmas people? Why'd you choose this area, this corner? What is it about
3: Christmas? Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> the music, the decorations. Yes.
1: Celebrating
3: the, the birth of Christ and celebrating Christ in our lives. It's also um, um, it's, it's it's the most expressive way of uh, sharing Christ with community, greater community. Everybody identifies with it, you know, whether whether you're uh, believe or not. You know, so it's a uh, it's kind of a word.
0: Great, great, great insights. Okay, my my lit. (laughs) 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 My lit and people over here. (laughs) Why is it? Well, it's a time for me to focus on what's important in life and sort of come back to ground zero for the
1: rest of the year to try to get my priorities right. I just feel it's a time for spiritual growth. For me personally, Mm -hmm. it just is a time, like you said, for reflection.
3: And last year for me was just... Great, great surge of spiritual growth. Mm That's something you have to be intentional about. So, for Mm -hmm. my personality, that's that works. No flowers for the altar. (laughs) 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 Very (laughs) very, very, very practical answer there.
2: Have oh, I'll pick up a either. few twigs on the way in and you're good. I've got a swat. Okay, Easter people, why are we
1: at
0: Easter?
2: The resurrection.
1: Yep, he is risen.
2: Absolutely. Hallelujah.
0: Transformation and transfiguration. I mean, it's just all of that. And I, when, when I was trying to make my decision... I, I was thinking about the whole Holy Week, which is really Lent, but it's also, last year I was able to come to every service during Holy Week, and it, it was wonderful. It was just a, like, a great experience. And there are 50 days of uh-huh. Easter and the season of, of Easter, uh-huh. not just the day. So uh-huh. yeah, that's great. Okay, stay where you are, and I'm going to read out the next one. This is, this is, you have to think a little bit about this one. Which of the following are you most drawn to? If you could have been a member of the feeding of the 5,000, would you like to have been a member of the feeding of the 5,000? Would you like to have been a sojourner with the Apostle Paul, following Paul on all his journeys? Would you like to be a witness at the empty tomb? Or would you like to receive a prophetic message from God? All right, let me read those again.
3: Ah, I'm getting honor. to you,
0: aren't I? Okay. A member of the Feeding of the 5,000, would you want to be a part of the crowd? Would you want to travel with Paul? Would you want to be a witness at the empty tomb? Or would you rather receive a prophetic message from God? Okay. Our Feeding of the 5,000. Paul and all of his crowd the tomb, the empty tomb, and the prophetic message. So we've
1: <laughs>
2: so got the feeding of the 5,000,
0: the Apostle Paul and those that are following Paul have our witnesses at the empty tomb and we have those that are willing to receive a prophetic message
1: All
0: right, let's start this way because usually i have very few in this <laughs> okay so tell me why why are you willing to receive a prophetic message from god what is what,
3: what appeals to you about that I think God speaks to us all the time, but we don't always listen. And sometimes I just need that extra thump upside the head, you know, <laughs> to listen, extra ear, better ears, to say, "Yes, this is it." You know, you're always looking for what decision to make. Tell me, tell me. Yeah. So. And he
1: speaks to us in many ways. Yeah. Sometimes we don't realize. I know. Uh, even though we may think we are trying to listen, sometimes it takes going past it to turn around and say, "Oh." And recently, Blake a sermon on be quiet be still quiet and listen
0: to the holy spirit and i think we all need to do that <coughs> it's very
1: hard. And it's hard. To do. <laughs> but when you said prophetic it was more mm-hmm. like bam and you know for sure mm-hmm. and so it's different from what we're talking about when you're like is this really the holy mm-hmm. spirit talking or is this me or what is this but if it's bam then you're yeah. like okay then i know for sure and it would be so great to know for sure
2: the answer can just as easily be yes to that to both sides as it Mm -hmm. appears of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. it seems like, are they missing a piece that if you had a prophetic message from God that you would there would be an obligation to go To share. To come that. out and That's what yes, i I'm to this corner. <laughs> <laughs> to share. But, yeah. but you also okay. would take the criticism. I mean, it would be... Right. F- It'd be okay. would I mean, it would be, right. F- It'd be hard. Right? It would be hard. It involves risk. And again, the same thing could be said of the people here in the Paulist corner, I guess, because Paul was definitely the one that carried the message the farthest in the early days of the church.
0: Y'all are just so a step ahead of my next steps. So let's just move right on in. Okay, so why are why do I how are my Pauline people? Why did y'all sort of gather in this corner? What was it about? What is it about the possibility of following Paul back then that's tricky?
2: Communication, I guess, is what it is. Now you, you know who I am. Obviously, I'm not going into that again. But that's the way that I've gotten the word out. I've come from traditions that you're kind of expected to go out and proselytize and hand out tracts and things like that, and that's never appealed to me. But the website is where I can pass the message of God. Okay? In a more anonymous method, I guess is what it amounts to for me. So this is a little bit of both getting the word out and keeping myself comfortable. It's my is my comfort zone.
0: anybody else?
2: I don't know whether this is it's
3: really true, but my my understanding of the time before Paul really got the church organized, there were a lot of different factions of Christianity going on, and the thing that appealed to me about that was that Paul seemed to have a clear picture of where he was going and what he wanted to have done through, through prophecy and such, and that appeals to me that, that it's... That he had a clear understanding, and he was going. He was, ended up being the one that really brought it all together. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there are no difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Inter- introducing people to things they have never heard before or seen before. I think they've been exciting and scary at the same time. hmm
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Very good, it's traveling the teacher. Mm.
2: Getting in trouble. <laughs> 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 Get yeah. in trouble That's probably more action oriented the
0: other three stones. What
3: about the
0: feeding of the five thousand? Why did you choose it? Being part of a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fellowship,
2: you know, and, and the celebration and experiencing that miracle altogether. together, um, really neat experience. You Health would Jesus. actually see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. You would there actually go. be with
1: Jesus and see yes. Jesus. I like her. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. What were you saying? (laughs) Just helping people. You know, get out there a little bit more active. You role is actively reaching out to people.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. It's action-oriented, and it's being with people in need and caring for people in need and witnessing the miracle of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. meeting the needs of the people. And I'm at my best in those kinds of settings. So that's
3: great. great. right. The, the empty tomb. tomb. <laughs> I was part of the Easter group, so it's kind of. I was thinking that, <is exactly laughs> that makes sense for you. That is, that is exactly right. Tell me more about why you chose
0: the empty tomb. The astonishment of, you know, just
2: the amazement of, and and of the people that would be there, um, to to witness what others would experience would would be powerful. You know, more not so much what the emotions it would take on yourself, but watching the emotions it would take on others, I think would add a lot of power to the situation. Mm-hmm. The resurrection is the hardest concept for me, just to get my mind around that. And, and like, okay, Yeah, if I were there. <laughs> <laughs> so. mm-hmm.
3: We're a lot like Thomas, aren't we? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's the, um, the, the empty tomb sort of represents um, the love the of Christ is... Um, is alive and well and it's here today. Uh, and it's, it's an empty tomb but that's because the love of Christ is here. So that's kind of...
0: Great. Yeah. Thank you all. Take your seats and then we'll oh. have to talk a little bit
1: more about it. <laughs> I'm used to getting seats.
2: <laughs> Don't send me home with anything better than... I'm trying, I'm trying to maintain expectations. See you for
1: uh-huh. So
2: what does that exercise
0: have to do with congregational development,
2: do we think? These are aspects of part of the job of a priest.
0: Ah, and not only
3: the priests; it's the
2: ministers who are the congregation, in essence.
3: Reflects the gifts of the congregation.
2: They're each important parts.
0: Now, this is just my take on it. All of your answers are correct. There are no right answers. But what helps me understand this is the empty tomb is part of that mystery. The mystery of I've been there. There's something about the mystery of this resurrection and this body that was not there that is intriguing to me. And we find a lot of this in our liturgy, in the Eucharist and all of that. Feeding of the 5,000 outreach, is what you were talking about, helping others. Everybody banded together to create that miracle. That's part of what happened there and that you were participating in this miracle and you were offering yourself to this miracle. Paul's teaching has a lot to do with, with our education. We have to understand. Somebody said, you were saying Colette, that um, there was he understood what his what he was, had, and he had to go spread that news. And when we study and when we read and when we, we open ourselves to different ways of thinking about scripture and theology, it opens our minds. And so there's a point in your life where you're going to want to teach and there's a point where you're just going to yearn to just soak all of that up. there. And then the message, the prophetic message. You have to respond. You have to respond. It's either like, no, thank you very much. I'll check in with you later. I'm going to go on and do this. That's a response. Or you respond by saying yes. Whatever. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Whatever that may be. And that's part of your personal piety. That's part of your own personal spiritual life. And so how this? How, so obviously all of this relates to congregational development. So I wish I knew what... The top four things were the top six things that I could give you bullet points. People call and they say, how do we grow our congregation? How do we move from this, you know, label that the church has given us to this? And and how do we bring more people in? And how do we evangelize as Episcopalians because we don't like that word? Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I had the answers for that. But what I do know is that parishes that are clear about their liturgy and how that's expressed, when people can articulate what their outreach is and are excited about that, when there is, there's opportunities for people to, to soak up Bible studies and book groups and other things, and when people are intentional about their personal piety, that is when parishes grow. That's what I know. And I also tell people to pay attention to where you were. I'm going to pick on you. It's not the first time. Okay. <laughs> we my, There might, you know, talk about God talk, speaking to you. I would say pay attention to where you were in those four corners. Maybe God's trying to tell you something about that. When you were talking about, you, are you involved in outreach here at all? Uh, I'm kind of new to the church, and that's something I have said I want to do. Well, okay, that's where you were. And so that, that would be a way that I would say God might be nudging you or whispering to you to say, hey, this is where you have energy. This is what gives you life. And we're going to move around in these areas at different times in our life. And that's important to understand too. So, um, so, that's, that's when I, so what my job is, is if you look on here, I supervise. I'm in charge of congregational development and buying land and building new churches and all that and mission and outreach, not only domestically but abroad with our Companion Diocese the Pacey and our domestic um, resources here in the diocese and in, in our um, in the state. But I also supervise people that have a lot to do with this. The youth ministry and the um, lay ministry coordinator has a lot to do with spirituality and, and Christian formation. And so what I what part of my charge is is to make sure that these things are happening in the parish because I know that this is what helps the parish grow.
3: I was, it seemed like we were pretty evenly dispersed, in and everything in all of the groups that you had. Is that? Church or in most churches, one
0: sided? No, it's not one sided, but but I, you know, the, the word <coughs> prophetic message from God sort of throws people sometimes. So I usually have have less numbers of people <coughs> in that category, but but I think that it's because um, it's not part of part of a word that we use a lot in the Episcopal Church, but it but it certainly is everything that they said. It's when God nudges us, it's when you said it's the bang over the head, it's something really really important I need to respond to and that's the key I need to respond and what is that response going to be? Um, have you ever met someone and, and you're with them and you think gosh I want what they've got yes that's what you're called that's what we're called to be to be excited and for if, if outreach is where God's nudging us to be then let that and what you do, Be a part of, people go, I want what she's got. And so what is it that you have? And then you're able to sort of share that. Well, my personal piety is part of this, being a part of outreach. You see what I'm saying? It's when you can be contagious. That's what we want. We don't, there are parishes that do this, and they're complacent. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit that we need to engage in that brings all of this to life. You can just, you can recite the Apostles' Creed. You can go, you don't even have to use a prayer book. It's on page 355, you already know it. You can say it all. But what is it about the mystery of the Eucharist that is life-giving and that that brings that part of you alive and that says somebody outside of this place would say, I want what you've got. That's That's the difference. And so, if anything I can bring to you today is, is that let this piece of personal piety in your spirituality and the power of the Holy Spirit ignite in all, wherever God is nudging you to be. Whether it's in teaching, whether it's just being a part of a, a Bible study and opening your mind, whether it's enrolling in outreach, um, or whether it's doing altar guild and providing a sacred space for people to be moved. To people be, be heard through the gospel. Now, what is that? I've said a lot. What is that? How does that resonate with you? Or does it resonate? How's how are you living into this here? And how? What are the ways that you could do things differently? Maybe. Well, I think. If-
3: your church that's wanting to grow and wanting to bring more people in and, and you, you pretty much said this but just to reiterate that, you're, that all of those things something is going to appeal to everybody people want to see churches that are not just coming in and reciting the Apostles Creed and then living. so that all of that gives the church brings it to life for not just the people in the church but Mm-hmm. section the exactly. that they will also be more
0: attractive. We live in a consumer society now. We have that channel changer and except for tonight because it's Super Bowl, I'm going to watch the commercials. <laughs> Otherwise, I just I just click. I don't know if anybody else do that, and mm-hmm. it goes from one to the other. so we so I want when I want it and I want it now and I you know and I want it to give to me and then I'll decide when I don't want it and I'll move on. That's the kind of society we live in. And so so that's that. Some of our churches are that. People go, they sit on the pew, they get their snack, as Luke used to call it, when he used to get it from bagging. We haven't snack today, um, and then they leave. And and so so that is just doing church. There's some congregations I've talked to, and they said they're struggling. And what I realize is that that they're just doing church. Do y'all know what I mean by that?
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. All to the motions. So yeah. I
0: think you have to create opportunities mm-hmm. because those people that just come and go, sometimes it's because they don't fit. They don't feel like they fit or mm-hmm. they don't see where they fit. So I think you have to, we have to embrace them mm-hmm.
1: and try mm-hmm. to get them more active or find out what,
2: I think, what moves them. I agree, I agree with That's you, me. I think we, we all have we all have gifts. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a, it's a matter of listening to the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit move within you to tap into those gifts, but I think having
3: opportunities, like you say, for, for you to express those gifts or avenues through which those gifts can be used and utilized, I think is important as well. Well,
0: and figuring
2: out your gift. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So.
0: And when you know your gift first, when you know mm-hmm. your, where, the, where the Holy Spirit is moving you and, the, and you know the Holy Spirit is alive and well and it, it exudes, it's contagious then it's it's easier. People. It's not so much that you have to go to somebody and help them. They're going to come to you because they see it. And, and they're going to want that. Not that I'm not saying to reach out to others, but, but it first starts here and knowing that.
1: I have been to various churches around. This church was much smaller when I started coming here, but I, always, as we grow and everything, this is the most... Innately welcoming Mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. I have never, it's not anything particularly spoken, but it's a feeling among the parishioners. It's exuding God's love and God's welcome to his house. We're blessed with that here. I have been to churches where you walk Mm -hmm. in the door and nobody says hello. Mm And
2: I have left those churches
1: feeling empty, Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. empty, and Mm -hmm. not gone back. From the minute I walked in this church, I've never been anywhere else of the feeling of the spirit
0: and so I'm just reminding us that 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 is so important and it has been important in other places and some other places have gotten complacent Mm -hmm. and so it's just a reminder that that is what really is key
2: so some churches need kind of a facilitator to reignite the fire of the spirit in them would you say
0: I think so. I think so. I think that um, for some people, it's that that the worship has gotten complacent, and, and maybe that they need to do they need to, to in, go inward and figure out what is it that's gonna that's gonna help me in my own personal spirituality first. What is that? And then, if it's not being offered in the parish, explore how that could be offered. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 this if this parish said, okay, we we really we have some spiritually um, anxious people, or, or people who want more, that want to learn different spiritual tools, like Anglican rosaries, or learn how to do centering prayer, or whatever. The Commission on Spirituality can help. They have resources to help people do that. Um, it might be that you want to do a Christian Ed program. That's you know, if there's people here that really want to dig into the Word. I mean, literally, that they didn't get. Episcopalians were not good at that. And so we end up being, becoming 30 years old and think we ought to know Scripture, and we don't. And that's why we don't take it, teach it to our children, because we don't know it. Mm-hmm. So we can't answer questions mm-hmm. when your son coming home from baseball practice says, why did God send the angel of death when you're driving down Valleydale? Yeah. And going, oh, my gosh. What am I <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I grew up in it and have been through EFM and all those things. So, um, so that's part of what but we've got to get back to. And sort of beginning to see where it is. Um, and if, if some parishes are, aren't doing outreach, and so maybe that's a place where they need to look beyond their community. And that doesn't have to be so much, um, it could be slash evangelism too, as far as just being known in the community. I don't know what those answers are. It's one of those things that, that people have to go inward and, and have some conversation with God and then begin to explore with each other where, where that's leading. Does that make sense?
3: I'd like to say, when I took EFM, the one thing I got out of it more than anything else, I guess, was the fact that you have to meet people where they are, not where you are. And take them from where they are to where you feel like they should be.
0: At least offer yourself to to walk with them.
3: At, at, At their point in life. Not... Your point in life, right. it's theirs. Mm-hmm. <coughs>
1: <Exactly.
0: coughs> right, we're at ten o'clock. But does anybody else have any other questions about that? Thoughts or just real quick, um, when, what you were saying about the hospitality? I think it's really genuine here. Mm-hmm. And it's not
3: forced at all. I think it's right. just people being themselves. And um, like and I have talked about before when we went to the Christmas youth. The progressive supper at your house.
0: When Blake and I walked in, it was so—it was such a neat experience because we
1: walked in in our youth. Everybody went yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but it it wasn't because it was us. I think they would have done that to each other, and I
0: think that they've seen the adults do that, And and they and they pick up on it. And I think and I think our youth do these things too, and I think that they see the adults do it. So, Christine, I think you made a good point, and that is, I think a lot of it's about leadership, not just our rector, which we've been very blessed with wonderful rectors, but it's also our vestry and our parents, and and you said that about the youth, and seen their parents do that. So I think a lot of it is leadership and role modeling and mentoring and and how we present ourselves. Exactly, and that's why this is a healthy place, and you're willing to take risks. That somebody said it when they were over in the prophetic message, you got to take a rip, or or you might not be liked for it, or somebody said something like that. The, the prophets have had a habit of coming to grief in the end. For,
1: for <laughs> <that>. <laughs> You're exactly right. The, the other thing about children and,
0: and teenagers is I'm always reminded and have a different uh, way of looking at this is when Jesus put the child in the middle and said, We all should come, you know, we should come to the feet of Jesus as a child there are, there are no boundaries with children it's wide open and so I think I, I kind of read over that and I say oh yeah God loves children and Jesus loves children we ought to incorporate children and be in the life of the church but there's, there's much more to that To message for us as adults that if we can get back to that place where it's wide open for us mm-hmm. then all of these things are going to be in in the parish
3: and in our own lives. So. I appreciate you bringing these things to us. I, I see elements of all of these in our parish. Mm-hmm. And in, in the search process, it was, it was apparent to Christina and I that the search committee, um, or the discernment committee, um, was going about their work in an intentional, prayerful, very much a spiritual spiritual grounding mm-hmm. uh, in what they were doing. That, that impressed, impressed us. And, uh, so.
1: that's the kind of
0: parish you want to do ministry with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you so you build on what you you know appreciative inquiry is all about. What are you doing good? What are your strengths? And you build on them. It's not to ignore your your weaknesses or what you think you can do better. But but what we're taught it used to be you list your strengths and list your weaknesses and then you focus over here on your weaknesses. Well, that's what we found is when you build on your strengths, that's really um, where people begin to flourish. And, th- and you know that in your own life. Um, during Lent, we'll begin to look at some of our weaknesses and address those, but for the most part, you build on what, what the gifts are that you given. Anybody else have anything else? Insights? Thoughts? Well, I hope that's given you a sort of a breadth of what I do at, at the Dyson office, and um, it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>